Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Hello. Good morning. Doing all right. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. This is a little bit earlier than we normally do this. This is a perfect time for me, but I feel like it being a little bit earlier for you means you're not necessarily alert and with it yet. No, I'm in need of a, a coffee infusion at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure Alan will uh, will turn up at some point and lovingly lovingly bring you a coffee. Um, we, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm instantly waiting for him to appear and tell me to f off as usual in the background. Um, <laughs> We are here today to talk about a question that we got asked uh, last week by Darren Lewis on Twitter. Uh, he asked us, which young players coming through are we excited about? Um, so we thought we'd have a look at the options of the players who are likely to kind of make the step up into the next campaign. Um, a few other people have mentioned a few others for us. I'm going to start first, if you don't mind, Ruth. Uh, Nathan Jones asked us about Niall Huggins at Leeds. He Should he get more game time? Will he get the nod? Now, Obviously, this is a bit of a difficult one because, you know, Ruth is in the, the back of beyond in uh, in Oregon and I'm in the Netherlands. So, uh, you know, being able to watch uh, young Welsh footballers play is, uh, is easier said than done. So we have tried to kind of have a bit of a dig through. I watched um, a few videos of Huggins uh, at Leeds, admittedly, most of them playing for the under 23s. I kind of like the look of him. I've got to say he's... Um, a box-to-box midfielder, I think I would describe him as. Seems like he's got a lot of energy. He's pretty quick, good feet, good passing range. Um, seems like he has a lot of composure as well, um, which which I really like. Um, I think my big issue, if I have a big issue with him, is 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 I think he's a lot like a lot of other midfield players that we have. I think he's a lot like Levitt and maybe even uh, Matt Smith in a way, and that he's kind of small, quite technical, but I worry about him in the physical aspect of, of, of the game. You know, Morel to an extent, in the sense he's quite a small um, player as well. So it's an interesting one there, because he obviously has a lot of technical ability, otherwise he wouldn't be in and around the lead squad as he is at the moment. Um, I don't see him necessarily kind of working his way past a lot of others to get into the main squad at the moment. But I, th- I certainly think he is someone who, you know, it certainly has potential. I mean, we, you know, we can't be turning our nose up at people who are who are looking at playing Premier League football. And I think, as I say, he definitely has a lot of potential. I'm just not, I'm not sure he's there yet. I think I certainly think he needs to bulk up a little bit. And I think we're not going to say too much about Levitt because he's obviously already kind of been in and around things. But I think he is someone who is a very similar sort of player to that. Uh, I would say. Have you got anything to add on on him, Ruth? Not not specifically, but I think the, the wider point that you raised about the strength and depth at the mid, in the midfield positions in particular is actually really interesting. Um, we, we are blessed not just with good choices in the first team at that level, but even difficult choices in the under-21 team at, at that level. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting sort of navigation of that over the next five to eight years actually as these players come through and um and their sort of club careers develop and then they're putting more pressure on it on existing players um the if we're looking at that sort of part of part of the field um i mean i mean i know mark harris has started playing a little bit for cardiff i think he would he would be in in the group that's sort of knocking on the door, perhaps a little earlier than than Huggins, for example, and um, and Ollie Cooper, perhaps to to an extent at Swansea, because they they're getting a bit more 
you know, top class playing time. Um, Matt Smith has had an interesting season as well. I think he's kind of drifted a little bit out of our out of our attention, um, having not played quite so much in the in the in in the international games recently. But he's yeah. had a very good. He's having a very good. Uh, season at uh, season at uh, at Doncaster and he's you know playing 90 minutes week in week out and and I think he's actually putting a little bit of pressure on the squad place again where I I probably sort of slid him down yeah. down my list um so it, it, there's there's an interesting dynamic there I think between the probably maybe the 18 to 20 players that definitely make the squad then the next, I don't know, five to eight that would bulk out your squad. And and then the next 10 that are knocking on the door. Yeah. And, and really, I think the next 10 that are knocking on the door perhaps comes down more to happen chance and accident and injuries and development and what position we need some depth in than it actually in, in some respects does from their own trajectory and, and progression. Um, you know, like you take, I think Joe Morell is a very good example of this, of someone who came, it's, he didn't come out of nowhere. He'd been in all our underage groups. He, you know, he was a very well-known player to the setup at the yeah. FAW. Um, but it took him a little bit of time to get from kind of under 21s to regular first team football. And once he was established and playing, it's like, yeah, he's got something to add, something to add here. But if we hadn't had the degree of injuries that we had, he might not have made our squad. He might not have had an opportunity to demonstrate that he could be a yeah. valuable member of the squad. And so I think for a lot of these young players, unfortunately, and it, and it, the same thing applies at club level, it's does the opportunity come at the right moment for you in the right way? Um, I mean, you can say I that Matt Smith the, absolutely is a perfect example of that, you know, a, really, yeah, isn't he? You know, sorry, Dave. Go on, sorry. I was just going to say he's a perfect example of that in that he's now starting to play football more often. Mm. But now we're in a situation where Joe Allen's come back. Uh, obviously, Ampadu is playing regular Premier League football. Um, Morel is in and around that. Volks is now starting to have a bit of a resurgence at Cardiff City. It's ironic that we've wanted Matt Smith to play regular football for quite a while, and now he's finally playing regular football again. We're in a in a situation where he's going to perhaps even struggle to get back into the squad for the Euros, given given the circumstance. Yeah, and I think that gets, goes back to that same theme of, you know, we've we've got a lot of bodies in midfield in one way or another. Um, I, th I think it's actually the uh, the two ends of the field where the younger the younger players may have more opportunity to push push for a place. Um, you, you know, you look at. I mean, I know Liam Collins. Is he still he's still injured at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Luke Jetcott, Obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but you can see either of those having more opportunity because we're, we're still relatively short of striker options, assuming that we're going down the kind of, <laughs> you know, man at the front option, yeah. which is a different question. Um, and then, you know, and then at, at, at the back, then you might, you know, 
Benka Bango, I know, has made the squad, but he'd be the probably the next man the next up. One, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think yeah. uh, uh, looking around that, it's kind of it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because a lot of this also, I think, depends on the way we play moving forward. If we're going to try and stick to this five-two-three, whatever kind of false nine type situation then I think that very much alters the, the the opportunities for other people getting in. I mean, there's one more person I just wanted to mention who I didn't fully realise the backstory of until I looked into it, and that's Terry Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was with Wolves. He's just signed for Burton uh, Albion on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Um, I didn't realise that he'd played all of his youth international football for Scotland. He was born in Scotland and, and, and has actually only made three appearances for Wales under 21 has scored a goal as well but um, he's the one I think I've watched a couple of times for the under 21s once against that Mold- in that Moldova game and once against uh, the German under 21 side and he's the one who I think looking forward in that midfield if any of the younger midfielders we have are going to break through I think it's most likely to be him in the future I mean obviously he could end up going to represent in Scotland we don't know how that's going to play out but um I'm just kind of intrigued by him a little bit because he's um, quite a strong guy. He's, he's he's quick. He's good in the air. Got a good leap on him. Got a good range of passing. Moves the ball quickly. A lot of these are kind of features that I think suit to the way we play. He's more of a holding midfielder. And again, we tend to don't tend to have a box to box type midfielder at the moment. We let two people hold and let Ramsey go and fill his boots elsewhere. So it, he does kind of fit the mold, I think, in a lot of players. So I think if there was anyone who's going to kind of shuffle their way up the line he might be he might be the one the one other one i want just wanted to bring up to you very quickly i don't know if you've looked into it is robbie burton he's kind of stalled a little bit in croatia i mean he's still young mm. but he's getting limited game time getting more games you know coming off the bench than than starting yeah. um and again he's another one who i just worry is sort of in this mold and i mentioned huggins again who's sort of in that mold of box-to-boxy type midfielder I think you have to be a certain type of person to be that player I'm not sure he's perhaps got the physicality at least for now to to be that player certainly for Wales I I was looking at um, Burton's game time actually and yes you're right it is sort of dropping off as the season's gone on and I, I you know I wonder whether that's a reflection of just a heavy intense season and just not physically being ready yeah, to being be a young lad playing you know playing two and a half times a week, basically. Um, I think Nathan um, Broadhead is another kind of name to consider as well. Um, What, you know, what his chances are of breaking in at Everton is probably pretty slim at the minute, given, given how they're going. And I think that's the, that's the ultimate irony is that the, what happens with player progression at club level obviously has an immense impact at international level. So what we look at, what we look at happening and people's trajectories and where they are at the moment, um, the, the opportunities they do or don't get at club level, I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but that's, that's clearly going to be the key determinant here. I mean, it's not so long ago that we would have thought Ben Woodburn would have been a mainstay yeah, of our squads going forward, and it just hasn't happened for him at club level. And he's, you know, he's slipping increasingly down the list. Um, And I think it's unfortunate that that may end up being a determining factor for these players. Equally, though, I like the fact that there's plenty of them that aren't afraid to go and have a loan with a Division One or Division Two club, rolling their sleeves up. Yeah, that's true. Um, You know, Terry Taylor, as you said, has 
move from Wolves to Burton so that he can get regular football. So I think there's, um, I think there's increasingly a kind of recognition that you you have to do more than just work your way up through the for arguments arguments sake Manchester United Academy. You you've got to be getting some real football under yeah. your belt. I think that's one of the reasons I quite like Nathan Broadhead, to be perfectly honest. He is someone who has had some experience out on loan. I think he went out of Burton, went out to Burton, sorry. He he kind of plays as a wide forward, I'd say, rather than a winger, um, in that he kind of likes to kind of roam around um, in that area rather than an up-and-down type winger. Um, again, like I've, I've just watched kind of videos, but he seems to always like to start out wide and kind of cut inside or array, arrive late in the box or even kind of drop off a bit and make runs from deeper. So I've been impressed by his ability to create space from the things I've seen and the movement he uses to get that. Um, he's played for the Everton under-23s 10 times this year, three goals and two assists for a wide player, I think is, is not bad. Kind of reminds me of Brooks a little bit in the way that he runs mm-hmm. with the ball. Um, he's also played a bit deeper for the under-21s in, in, in midfield in certain games. So uh, his, his versatility is something that I think is interesting because he is a very good passer of the ball um, and he's intelligent, as I say, with his movement. So he doesn't need to kind of be everywhere. He's someone who's, you know, we're talking about someone's kind of physique a bit there. He's someone who does seem to have a, that bigger physique. Um, so, as I say, I've, I've kind of been impressed with what I've seen of him. Admittedly, only kind of videos, but he's someone I've been in, been um, impressed with. Um, whilst we're talking about attackers, um, I wondered if we might talk about Liam Cullen. I don't know if you if you wanted to say anything about him. I mean, I, th- I think his potential is is great. It's, it's obviously the timing of his injuries kind of curtailed how his season. Well, he's probably out for the season, isn't he? How that was progressing. I think ultimately, though, I think we're looking at the potential of Luke Jetko or Liam Cullen as our as a, a striker, um, assuming that we at least want the option that as an option, even if we go for a kind of fluid three at the front as our as our main plan. Uh, I think that form obviously is a I think if there's anywhere on the pitch where your form has the most impact on whether you're going to add to an international squad I think it's in that position so I think that's why Jepcott is going to be definitely under consideration for this next for this next squad as a as a as a depth option um, particularly if they go for the slightly sort of um, fattened version of the squad that we've that we've do- that we've done in the last in the, some of the last few iterations. Yeah, I think, I, and I do think that is how this will go. I mean, I'm, we will do something kind of closer to the time on the squad, but I'm expecting it to be a, a decent s- squad in terms of numbers. Um, I mean, in terms of Liam Cullum. It's Cullen, sorry. Um, I, from what I've seen of him, he's, I think he's a good player. He's a he's a very tidy finisher. I think he's he's not necessarily the sort of player who'll take on five and rip the net off. But I think he's a bit more of a um, a poacher. And again, kind of got good work rate off the ball, good movement, likes to drop a bit deeper when he's in possession um, as well. I wonder if he might end up more as a false nine type player though, rather than kind of an out and out centre forward because he's quite a small lad. So I can't see him kind of leading the line in the in the same way that a Moore or a Jeff got or whoever would. Um, no, he'd come he'd come in more as a, your sort of 
if you were using him more as your Hal option, yeah. wouldn't he? As your, your Hal B, if you were going to go down that that route. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Go on. I think at the minute. I think at the well, obviously it's not a consideration at the minute anyway. But I think ultimately, um, his kind of play is almost like a plan C. <laughs> if we're if we're assuming if we're assuming that some version of plan A and B are basically a with or without more yeah. amounts to plan A and plan B, then I think the the Robson Carnu or Liam Cullen of the world become a kind of plan C option. Yeah, I think we, again, I, I, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get, we'll get onto this a little bit later. But I think, I think the biggest part of all of this conversation with the centre forwards, especially, is which iteration, to use your word, do we use of our squad as we move forward? Because if if he's, I would say he's more of the plan A type player. If that's how we're going to do it with a kind of the the the, the deeper centre forward, and then you have to kind of have the discussion: is he going to be our Plan B of Plan A <laughs> is he going to be the man who will come <laughs> off the bench? If you see what I mean, um, or is that going to be Hal, or is Gareth Bale going to go up front? There's a lot. There's just a lot of different uh, variations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel bad for him. Obviously, his injury came at a bad time. He just scored two goals for Swansea, um, and then of course he got this bad injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the year now. So I do, I do worry uh, for him in that sense, getting a, an, an injury like that at a young age. But he's someone who certainly has potential. I mean, the club have just you know, recently given him a contract till the end of 2023, I think. So he's he's someone who's obviously the, the club believe in him. And I think that's just mm-hmm. as much uh, as an important thing as as, as anything else. Um, to look uh, at the back, you obviously mentioned the next one off the line there being uh, Ben Cabango. Um, the next one after that, I'd say, is probably mm-hmm. going to be Brandon Cooper. Um, again, Swansea, um, strong, good in the air, good pass for the ball. Um, obviously scored for Newport in the, in a very, very strong spell before he got recalled due to the Swans kind of injury worries, um, although he has since got injured himself, ironically, in, in training. Um, I think the difference here is, is here with him and compared to a lot of these others. I think he will get game time once he's recovered. And I don't think we can say that for a lot of the others. And if we can, I mean, this is a, this is a, a conversation I want to have a little bit in, in a minute as well, is... A lot of these people are getting game time in League One and League Two, and, and you know that's a hell of a jump up to international football there. So at least Brandon Cooper, when he gets back, will be playing Championship, potentially even Premier League football next year, and I don't think that can be ignored. Um, the last thing I wanted to say on him just before I shut up is um, I found it interesting looking at the stats of so the 19 games he played for Newport before he left his loan. They lost just three times. Since he's left, they've won once, which is a really fascinating statistic, really, and, and, and kind of says a lot about the impact that he had on them. Um, perhaps not just as a as a player, but as a as a you know a leader almost in the way that kind of people responded to to, to him. So yeah, he was another one who I was kind of super impressed with, and I think we're talking about the next one off the line. I think I think he's he's certainly in that conversation, isn't he? He was on my list, and actually, in my notes, I put "not a coincidence" in Newport's form since he left. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I think we've both we've both seen the same the same same pattern. Um, I think um, Regan Paul is still in the discussion. I, I think we forget that he's only twenty two. He seems to have been around for a long time. Um, I'm grimacing here. I'm, I'm not with you on that one. <laughs> um, he 
is playing every week at Lincoln. Admit, admittedly, it's you know, it's not, it's not championship. It's League One, but he's getting ninety minutes in every game, um, and I think we forget that there's clearly a very capable player there, and hopefully, if he can get a, a get a, a full season under his belt and and push on, and you know, they're they're playing so well, they may be may well be a championship team next year. Yeah, true. Um, so that's. You know, that's uh, he's another one that I don't think we should ignore. For um. me, he's someone who has definitely got the ability um, and for whatever reason can't seem to kind of harness enough of it. To This is probably his best run of his career, I, I suppose, um, in terms of mm. playing every week. And, yeah. you know, obviously Lincoln are, are top of the league, I think. So there's obviously something there. He's obviously doing something right now. It is working for him now. So I, I guess you can't kind of turn your nose up at that. For me, I'm... I'm just every time I've seen him, I feel like I'm a little bit underwhelmed. I feel like he's a little bit, I don't know. Slow is probably a bit harsh coming from you know a tubby man like me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you've seen me play football before, Ruth. It's not it's not a spectacular sight. Um, so you know, I suppose I'm not I'm I'm, I'm kind of loath to to question his speed there. I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I'm he's he's someone who for me, I'm not. I think international football might pass him by. I think there's enough other people who are as good, if not better, than him around him at the moment. I'm not sure when his time will come. I mean, I, I could I could be wrong on that, but um, yeah. Um, I, I just think I just think he's still in the discussion. Yeah, and true, I think he's probably he's probably making more of a case at the minute with this good season at Lincoln than you know he probably wouldn't even have cropped up if we'd have had an equivalent discussion twelve months ago. No, that's true. That's true. Um, one more thing, person I wanted to mention was Daniel Barden. Um, he's come in twice for Norwich this year. Um, uh, is a goalkeeper. Played well for them in the championship. Uh, I watched the Cardiff game. Uh, played very, very well. Um, made a lot of good saves. A very good shot stopper. Seems kind of very like to have great reflexes, which is obviously massive for your keeper. Also, was good at kind of claiming the ball in the air. I thought as well for for a young guy, it showed a lot of confidence in that aspect. Um, I wonder if you might kind of pop up. He's been playing for the 19s this year. I wonder if you might even go to the 21s or even one step before Radcliffe had been in goal for the 21s before that, but he's kind of not playing. So um, it seems Barden might be the, the, the next man in the spot. I wanted to ask you, I haven't put this in our notes, so I apologise instantly, <laughs> but I, I just this kind of came to me when I was looking at him and writing about him. Uh, is, there, is there an argument to say that him or whoever you want to say our next long-term goalkeeper is going to be should go to the Euros. I, I I would I think, but the problem we've got at the minute is the goalkeeping situation. I think is so very unclear because of the the injuries that folks are coming back from. I mean, Wayne Hennessy obviously had a bit of playing time recently. Um, I think if the, I think all things being equal, you're probably still looking at a trio of Hennessy, Ward and, and Adam Davies because of the lack of playing time, the lack of any significant playing time across at least two of the three of them. Um, the... I think there's merit in just taking some extra bodies, not for not as squad members, 
but for the experience, like I don't see any harm in, for argument's sake, in taking George Ratcliffe on the trip, you know, almost like as a as a a way just to experience being part of a. a, a I mean, in rugby, you'd call it, call it the touring squad. You know, just yeah. being part of the environment and and understanding the step up. Uh, and I think there's a number of players that it, if there's a way to do that, it might not hurt to take them. And equally, I think UEFA may get to a point where because of the COVID situation, squads can be more than 23. I mean, I, th- I think there's a good argument for having squads of 27, 28 and putting yeah. them in a bubble and closing it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, just, and just giving everybody a little bit more wiggle room and a bit more yeah. space. So on that basis, there may be opportunities for some of these players to go anyway. But I think there's merit in in taking two or three of these key younger players just for the experience of being part of that environment. I mean, on your point there, I, I think... UEFA are going to end up saying we can have a squad of 30 to be honest and I wouldn't be surprised either if they end up saying we can have uh, well I say we like it's just Wales but they'll do the the five subs I think uh, would uh, just the number of injuries that teams and players are getting at the minute I'm not fully down for that in the Premier League that's a conversation for another time but I, I, I think the UEFA will end up doing that um, and probably rightly so as well um, to go back to, to Barden I think the reason I would take him, I, I saw a great tweet the other day from Leon Barton, and he made the point, which I hadn't thought of. If you actually look at it, Wales have basically had three, you could even argue, longer, long-term goalkeepers. There's There's been a reign of kind of undisputed number ones. And that has not, you know, that's quite a rare thing, I think, especially in international mm-hmm. football. Obviously, Hennessy now, Paul Jones before him. So I wonder if it might be time, because I, th- I think we have been fairly defensively solid. And I think it would be interesting to kind of consider that as one of our key assets as a, as a nation. And, and that one of our kind of the strong points we have as a nation, I guess, in, in a football sense. So I would possibly take him as a third keeper, because if, if, if you look at it, Adam Adam Davis is is being back on the bench now for for Stoke in their last game. He's he's starting some sort of recovery, but he's not playing. Hennessy's back from injury, but he's only playing under twenty threes, and I don't know how regularly he's going to end up doing that. I mean, I've played more goal uh, games in gold in the last few years than Danny Ward has. I think at a point you I think you've got to recognise that there's of those three for my money. I think you're keeping one of them round just because. Because if you're picking it on form, Owen Vaughan has got to be in that squad all the time. He's the only one of our goalkeepers who's actually playing regularly at the minute. But he's and not. Chris Maxwell, in fairness. True, that's true. But I mean, again, we, you yeah. know, we don't need to go too far down the down that road, I don't think. And I, so one of those two, in that case, we're going to have have that argument. Have, have got to be have got to be in the squad, haven't they? But they're not. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like between Davis and and Ward, it's just uh, you know, it's uh, there's no benefit to having both of them in the squad. If I'm being brutally honest, I don't think. For me, I think the common sense thing to do would be to pick whichever one you think is your actual number two goalkeeper. And they're your number two goalkeeper, and then you bring a third person in who is going to realistically not play, but gather 
experience and that person for me has got to be the person you think is likely to take the shirt on and I mean it's a bit bit of a gamble at the minute but that's not going to be Owen Vaughan as much as I love him it's not going to be Chris Maxwell most likely so I think someone like Barden or Ratcliffe or whoever else you want to kind of put into that conversation are that next person down or next person along and I think it would be worth taking them because I don't think there's a benefit to having the, the three keepers that we have at the moment I can't disagree, and I think even if you're looking at UEFA are tight on their numbers for for the tournament in the summer, and somehow that is restricted at 23, and you don't want to take the chance, there is nothing stopping you bringing them into the March squad and just having a a larger squad for March. I mean, to, I mean, I've, sorry, on on that topic though, I th- I I think any touring squad should have a guitar playing painting goalkeeper so i would always take her own from <laughs> i mean i would take him i would take him down the road with me to be perfectly honest you know, i think I, he's of all the people we've had on our podcast he is comfortably well not nothing against anyone else but um just such a nice man so generous with this time so he was uh he was our first interviewee uh, as well so i will always have a soft spot for uh, for him um you mentioned the, the the upcoming squad. I think it's safe to say that pretty much everyone we've mentioned there isn't going to get into that um, into that squad just because of the circumstances, much as anything else. Looking at it, I mean, there's there's two people for me who I think probably should come in. Um, one would be obviously Jeff Cotton. We'll talk about him first, but also Brennan Johnson. Um, to start off with Jeff Cott, I don't think you can kind of argue. You know, we talk about form and, you know, Doidge was in a perhaps similar position last year and he didn't get the nod. But I think someone like Jeff Gott, who is young, um, possesses a lot of abilities in the squad that I, I think we don't possess in the centre-forward unit at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think all of the arguments we were we were making <laughs> last year... Um, apply in terms in terms of you know players on form and bring them in and see what they can do and experiment and all that sort of thing um i think his advantage is his age yeah 100%. I, I think i think that's where there is more of a case to get him into the squad and have some exposure and see what you have and um you know admittedly he's he's scoring but it's a, it's at league one level so let's let's put him in an international setting and, and, and see, see what he's made of, really. And I would hope that there is enough room in... The Mexico game provides enough room for you to experiment a little bit with this. I agree. And I mean, I think if you look at the, the Doidge argument, whilst he was in form, you could probably make the, the argument now that not including him was the justified decision, given what's happened to him since. Um I would say the big thing here, like you mentioned, is Jeff got age. He's he's twenty one, I think. Um, he's a big, strong lad. The physicality, nature of things, definitely is not beyond him. I was so impressed with him when I watched the Germany under twenty one game, mm-hmm. um, whenever that was, November, I think. He was. I thought I thought he was our best player. I mean, he 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 was just kind of everywhere. He, he won every battle he went into. I was so impressed with him um, against a very very good Germany under twenty one side. It's got to be said. Um, so yeah, I think he's got to be in there because the other thing is, I think looking at it now, uh, I, I think which however we play, more will definitely be involved in the in the qualifying games in one way, shape, or form. Whether he starts, whether he comes on, whether he's our plan A, B, C, or whatever letter we're on at the minute, I'm not sure. Um, 
he will definitely be involved. So it seems there's no point in, in kind of risking him, I would suggest, a, a, along with a lot of the others. Whereas Jeffcock can still provide a similar sort of role um, to Moore. And I think, obviously, has a goal threat. I'm just looking now here. I think he scored in 30 appearances all, on all competitions this year. He scored 18 goals. Which yeah, is remarkable, right. really, for for a guy of his age. So I think he's the he's the main one. I think who needs to come in and and kind of be be given the opportunity, but also I think he can fulfil the the the, the key for more role there in that game. I think one of my concerns, and it's it's something we've discussed often, is that our two our two frameworks are with Kiefer Moore and a. And I, I think target man is unkind to him because I think he's more than that. But that model yeah. or a kind of roving three at the front, probably headed by Bale. If those seem to be the two options. If we want to play the with Kiefer Moore version, we still haven't identified what happens if we absolutely think that that's the right approach, but he he pulls his hamstring the day before. Yeah. yeah. We still haven't identified how we address that. And that's where I think Jepcott might have a role at the moment is as an understudy to Kiefer Moore, very much on a just-in-case framework, because I think we would probably still be more likely to revert to the, oh, okay, so we've got to go for the three at the front plan then. But you don't want to put yourself in a position where we are entirely things entirely hinge on a player. And I think the irony is that we, and in fairness to Ryan Giggs, this is one of the things he set out to do is we, we have an understudy for every position now. And in some positions we have multiple yeah. good understudies. Our, our starting 11 is probably relatively self-evident. You might probably the hardest choice you've got is which two to use out of Wilson, Brooks and James, assuming you're paying Bale and Ramsey. Yeah. But otherwise, if I think the 11 is kind of there and the, and the person that's tapping on the shoulder for each of those 11 is kind of there. What we don't have is a clear substitute for Kiefer Moore. Should that be a necessity? And I think at the moment you look at the options and Luke Jepcock seems to be the closest we have. So let's give it a go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it used to be Vokes, obviously, but Giggs doesn't mm -hmm. fancy Vokes. I mean, fair He's not going down that road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and Vokes, is, you know, in, in the defence of the manager, has also not, you know, not set the world on fire, I think is fair to say. Um, that's Stoke. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably the right call. And I think you're absolutely right if he's going to be... The plan, if if that's going to be whether it's plan A or plan B, it cannot revolve around one person. We need someone else who can do that role, and I think you're right. He is he is that person, so I think he has to be given the opportunity um, to 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 look at Brennan Johnson a little bit. He's someone I've been a little bit critical of being in and around the squads in the in the previous games, just because he wasn't getting game time. So I felt it was kind of a little bit pointless him being in and around that squad. However, he's kind of had his uh, 
I was going to say coming out season then. I didn't mean coming out. I, I don't know. What, what do I mean? What do I mean when you've had your breakthrough season? There we go. Um, he's had his breakthrough season this year at Lincoln. He's he's played pretty much every game. I think he's played 25 times. Um, he's scored five goals, eight assists. Um, I think he's someone who, you know, has a lot of potential. Um, very good movement. He's quick. He's a good finisher. He's someone else who is similar in that sort of vein, I think, to to a Brooks, perhaps. Um, so, again, I think it would make sense, given we do rely on our wingers, to have, you know, have as many of them vying for those positions as possible. And I think he's someone who will go on to have a career further up the leagues than League One where he's playing at the minute. So I think he deserves that opportunity to kind of get used to the system that we're, we're going to play and, and kind of have him in and around the squad because he certainly has that potential. I think... I wasn't keen on it before because he wasn't playing. Whereas in this instance, the, this format, the way we're kind of running things at the moment where you have to play a friendly, which seems completely sensible in a pandemic, um, <laughs> is to to use this Mexico game and, what, and the other subsequent games going forward as friendly matches. And I don't care about the result. I don't care how we play. But I think it becomes valuable for those players to have the time that, you know that your your Gunters and whoever else had when when Toshak was in charge and they kind of got blooded and they had those opportunities and I think these games are going to be that opportunity for for a lot of these and for that reason I would say Brennan Johnson needs to be in and around the Mexico squad as well. I, I agree with everything you you said and I think also the fact that he was called up in those squads in in the autumn sort of intimates that he is the next in line, yeah. as it were, the fact that he was brought into the group and within the hierarchy. So I think that that sort of validates that he will be the next one that falls into this scenario. I think the fact that the Mexico game is the middle of the the three the three games that we have in in March. Um, obviously you know, you're going to have your starting 11 out against Belgium. You're going to have your starting 11 out against the Czechs. And then it's just who's number 12, 13, 14, yeah. et cetera, is what is going to be the, the Mexico team. And that's a great opportunity for um, the Johnsons of the world. I agree. And I mean, I, 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 I think that, and, and I'm sure there's others you could probably make the argument for. I, I You could probably make the argument, um, you know, the, the two Swansea lads, if they weren't injured in in Cooper and Cullen, that that they'd probably kind of have an argument to be in and around that as well. I think, you know, it's a big opportunity that game for someone like Tyler Roberts. I think who's, you know, not really done much this year. You, you know, I, you know, regular listeners will know I'm not exactly Tyler Roberts's biggest fan, but I think if he is going to continue to be around the squad, he's got to do something soon. And I think that Mexico game, you know, similar to how he came on, I think against the USA, he, um, you know. Could have an impact there, and, and again, it's kind of good game time for him. Um, but I mean, these aren't the players. You know, he's not the kind of player I think we're, we're talking about here. We're, we're trying to kind of look at the next batch through. Um, uh, you know, that that means kind of looking forward again. Um, that means that we're looking at who are going to be the regulars in the squad for the next Euro campaign or the next Nations League. And I mean, I, I recognise that's a, a solid amount of time waiting. We haven't actually paid this bloody Euros yet. But um, I, I think it's it's an interesting one to look at because the ultimate worry for me here with all of this is I think Wales fans on the whole, and it's great, live in this 
little bubble of positivity at the moment. Anyone who's Welsh and, you know, scores a goal, even if it's, you know, for Trollai FC, nothing against Trollai FC if there is such a team, we're like, oh, bloody hell, we're playing for Wales next. And I think that we do need to have some sort of... Uh, I appreciate that I am the pessimistic one normally on this podcast, so I, I'm, I am staying true to form. But um, I think we do also need to kind of be aware, and I think, and I will use Ben Woodburn as the example of this, and I don't think we as Wales fans contributed to, to anything that's happened to him since. I mean that he is someone who we were looking at as, oh my God, this kid's amazing. Look at that goal against Austria. He's Liverpool's youngest ever goal scorer. Oh my God, he's the, he's the next Pele. And I'm obviously being facetious before anyone tweets me, but um, I I think that I am at this this sort of thing is a his story so far is a stark reminder to to us as Wales fans that you know you know one one goal doesn't make your career. Someone scoring, you know, looking at Jeff got whatever he said, eighteen goals doesn't make your career. I think we've got to be a little bit careful looking at a lot of these players and reminding ourselves that they are doing pretty well in League One or or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I do, but I think that at the moment, that's kind of all they can do, if that makes sense. I don't think... My concern with someone like Woodburn is he's had the opportunities, he's had the loans, he's been at multiple teams, and it just doesn't seem to be progressing. I don't think you can um, have a player, let's use Johnson as an example, you know, goes to a League One team, a good League One team, is playing well, pushing for promotion, is involved, is, you know, playing like what you might say, sort of proper old-fashioned dirty football. And I think that's really <laughs> good experience, really good experience for them. And I I, I don't think you can underestimate the value of that. Obviously, the important thing is that that's got to be built on going forward. So someone like Johnson, I think, is, is his trajectory feels appropriate and he's it's clearly going in the right direction. He's not ready to be playing international football yet, but at least it's going the way you would hope it would go. Um, equally, there are going to be players where it stalls, um, and Woodburn is the ob- most obvious example of that where it's stalled um i mean you look at harry wilson for example it's it's taken him a while to become the player that he is and it's still he's still kind of on that yeah he's not the finished champion upper championship level as good as he is that does seem to be his place at the moment um and I think it will be interesting, like he's another example, what is next year going to bring? And I think it's interesting, you have these questions, even with someone who's as established and as good a performer as he is, there's still questions about trajectory. And and so the questions are even more pointed with the younger, more inexperienced players. Yeah, I mean, you, you are right in that. I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, I think... To an extent, there are people out there, and again, I think it's great that people are more positive than I am. 
But I think if there are people out there, for example, who think that Brennan Johnson might be the next big thing. And I think there are people out there, and I'd, I'd use Ampadoon as an example as well. I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to name which one of my friends it is. But one of my friends said to me, I honestly think one day Ampadu is going to be going to be bought or sold like he's going to be the most expensive player in the world at one point and I get it I think he's great too but do you see what I mean I'm I'm just saying that I'm not saying that Brian Johnson isn't going to play for Wales and isn't going to be a good footballer I'm just maybe trying to temper the the things he can do just like you know Aaron Ramsey when he came through like an exceptional play playing international footballer when he was 19 I'm not expecting that from Brendan Johnson I, 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 I what I'm getting at is that I think if someone is good and young and Welsh, we instantly think, right, Gareth Bell could probably retire tomorrow. We're fine. We've got this lad. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, <laughs> and again... I can picture what you mean, but I think you might be you might be overstating it. You see, oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the bit. I mean, look at Brooks. Brooks is another good example, I think. I think we thought Brooks coming through, and again, he's still young, and I'm not calling David Brooks shit by any stretch of the imagination. Again, don't tweet me. I'm saying that... At one point, we were like, oh, my God, like Real Madrid are probably going to buy this bloke. I mean, he's he's going to go and be the best player in the world. And and he's had a, a reasonably good season, at, you know, in the championship at Bournemouth. And again, that's fine. That's great. He's still got room to grow. He's still young. He's still got potential. I am not writing him off. I'm just saying that in terms of like the, the question we got asked was about the next batch for the next Euros campaign mm-hmm. and the next Nations League campaign. I do think a lot of these people aren't still aren't going to be involved at that point in my view i i agree because i think as as we've said i i think the starting 11 is kind of there the next 11 is more or less there and i think these younger players are clearly beyond that list yeah um and i think i think it's going to be a happenstance of of injuries and timing and you know good loan spells or bad loan spells that that determine that. And I think therein inherently lies the problem that all of this is actually determined by what's happening at people's club level. And there is so little control that that the FAW has on on this, unfortunately. I mean, to to try and put a bit more of a positive spin on it, the the one thing I, I think is important to remember from all of this as well is, well, it's not a positive spin, I think it's true, is... I think for years we've gone through spells as Wales fans. I mean, I would say from about the 90s through to 2016 when we qualified and things kind of went forward, I think we've got to to the point where now, you know, in that spell we didn't have any subs. I mean, there were literally people on the bench, but we didn't have kind of specific numbers of subs. We had players who would come in they wouldn't improve the team that but they would kind of do the job whereas I think now we've created genuine competition for places and I think that's really really important because you know as you say we've got first 11 pretty much set we've got a second 11 you know maybe not set but you know there's a there's a number of people who can do those roles and do those things and that's great and then now we're waiting for a third batch to come through I think that's incredibly positive that there's finally competition for places for young, talented players, not just, you know, like, what was his name? Um, Steve Morrison. 
he basically scored a couple of goals for South End, I think it was one year. So we just said, "Go on, mate. Have you you know you've probably got a Welsh granny in you go," and and it, and that's kind of how that was at a point. And I don't think that with you know we're we're so way beyond that again now. When I think that's massively important. It is such a good sign of how far we've kind of grown. I agree. I think there was a point when you were struggling to work out who made up a 23-man squad. You know, we we might have a an obvious 14 or 15, and then it was like, well, you know, the last name's Jones. Yeah. Um, well, look at the Euro squad. I the, think that was a sign of that, wasn't it? There were three, three or four yeah. people who went on that, basically, because they'd been in the squad a lot. Yeah. And then, but now we're looking at, it's perhaps numbers... 25 to 30 yeah. where you start to get you start to have that discussion and i think that's that's clearly a testament to to, to how things are developing and how things are progressing and you know one i mean we've just we've discussed this during the during the qualifying in the nation's league games and that you know there was a point where a key injury yeah. would would destroy a, a, a whole tournament worth qualifi- as a qualification campaign for us and we are not we do not have that reliance on a single player anymore and i think that's another advance for us um and another another point about how much strength we have through the depth that we have um yeah i agree i think the the depth is the is the important kind of point to take from all of this i guess and i think you know it goes to show what a good job we are doing at under 19s under 21s kind of bringing these people through and i think you know there should be a lot of kind of rewards for those people who've who've uh, who's been who've been a part of that i think is the is the right way to describe that um go on i do think i mean i'm not i'm not advocating more football i don't <laughs> i wouldn't want to put that on players but i think it's a pity that there isn't perhaps a more some sort of transition between 21s and full international if that makes sense i think it's a pity that the guys and the gals for that matter age out at 21 and then there there isn't a next environment for them to be to be part of um i don't i don't think there's a a solution to that an easy solution and certainly not not something i'd be advocating to add more football games but i, I think a mechanism where the the connectivity and the and the sort of involvement that has developed between by being a part of the 21s and the age groups and growing up together. It, I think that's important. And I think it's a pity that that doesn't, doesn't keep going, you know, it becomes more kind of accidental as you make the, as yeah. you make the senior squad. I've long thought actually that there's, uh, there needs to be a correlation in one way, shape or form for me between how let's look at the Premier League run and the other you know the other divisions and internationals in that the Premier League have their under 23s I personally think it's a waste of time I think you you would fill that gap a lot better with having proper reserve football like it used to happen in the good old days because at least you were you were still playing men's football then uh, or, or as you say women's football you weren't playing some sort of weird hybrid of youth football where there's maybe one overage player play and I, I, I'm not sure I I get that you need to kind of keep these kids involved and a lot of it is because a lot of the big clubs now have really bloated squads because they pick mm-hmm. up anyone and any everyone who can who's young and can play and then they kind of bin them off as, as and when they go along 
but I think those two things need to be correlated a bit better. So either there needs to be an under-23s level, perhaps, for international football, more than just the occasional tournaments they do. Um, or, in my opinion, there needs to be the return of proper reserve league football. Because you look at Spain, for example, obviously their second team, their reserve teams are playing mm. the equivalent of League One football. And that is in my view is definitely beneficial to them they're playing men's football every every week and i think for me that is one key area that needs to change that that link needs to happen in both club football and it needs to be the same in international at the minute for me anyway that's not balanced no i would agree i would agree i think there's some i mean not that we want to give more complications to you over god knows they're having trouble enough juggling what they're dealing with at the minute but it's um you know it is a bigger picture question yes i, I don't think you know, i think we've been by our standards relatively concise today i don't think we should uh, <laughs> we should open up this can of worms um yeah i mean you know uh, it was it's, it's it's an interesting one and i think as you say it's a, it's a it's a conversation for another time um is there anyone else that you wanted to, or anything else you wanted to kind of make reference to in regards to this? No, no. I, I, it's just, it's a nice problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, yeah absolutely. It's a nice problem to have. Like we said before, I mean, you, you think about this in years gone by, we would never have this problem. And I think a good thing about it all, you know, we slagging off social media and whatever last week. The, you know, I, I think because of things like social media, we can, we see so many more of these players, and they have their you know they can have a bit of a name for themselves. They can share their own goals, things that you wouldn't have seen, you know, five or ten years ago, perhaps. So I, I do think that having having the facility to be more aware of these players and and these kind of situations, I think, is really beneficial to everyone as well. Yes, and no, I can't disagree with that. I think um, it goes back to I think that what you were saying earlier about that kind of excitement um that's all that all kind of generates self-generates as well doesn't it which is uh, it's a positive yeah well it's fun that's what football should be <laughs> if someone could tell Steve Bruce yeah. that I'd be uh, I'd be eternally grateful the useless <laughs> bastard but uh, <laughs> don't stop, don't yeah, stop. I, was gonna say, well, I, I won't start on uh, on lovely on lovely Steve uh just yet because we'll do another hour on that just me having a tantrum but anyway <laughs> On that uh, fairly miserable note, we will love you and leave you. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Um, there's loads of great blogs and articles up on our colemanhadadream.com website. If you want to go and have a look at that, please do. There's hopefully lots more interesting stuff coming from us soon. If you are interested in writing for us or contributing uh, to anything we do, please do get in touch, outlook.com. But for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye-bye, folks.